Welcome back to Facts from the Stacks, all of you <laughs> party <laughs> patrons. Yeah. It's funny because of what we call <laughs> Ruby from the Library. Yeah, similar. Patrons. Today we are talking about the National Park Service. You would need about 37 and a half million waivers for that. Uh-uh. Yosemite. Yeah, that should be fun. Welcome to Facts from the Stacks, a news and trivia podcast for book nerds and library lovers. Facts from the Stacks, created by the staff at the Jackson-Madison County Library, is your library news and book-based trivia podcast. Join your hosts, Kelly and Shane, for what we're reading, what's happening in the library, and tons of trivia. We will have games and quizzes so you can follow along and test your knowledge, but also so we can stump other library staff. I've got some like legend sort of stuff for national parks Ooh. and a little bit of like statistics on national parks. Love it. Um, I looked into the history of national parks and then I looked into things about Yosemite specifically. Because? Which, because the day we're recording this, tomorrow I'm flying to Yosemite. That's so exciting. Yeah. So the day this episode comes out is when I will be back. Oh, okay. You'll be back. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's well. Cool. Then I'll be getting to listen to all of the like. I saw this for real. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. Very exciting. All right. Well, as per usual, we'll start with recently borrowed. Woohoo! Um, so me, I'm still, hi, hello. I'm still <laughs> working on, oh, also we're going to sound a little weird today because we're in a much smaller room. Yes. And I don't know how the acoustics are working. <laughs> acoustics. Like, it sounds a more echoey Yeah. To me we're in personally. a cement block. Yeah. We're in a really, we're in a very small room. Um, thank you Whitney for the use of your room that you didn't know we were going to do. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Yeah. So if we sound weird, that's why. Um, Sorry. But as far as recently borrowed, I'm still working on Iron Widow. I have until Tuesday to finish it because that's when we have you go. book talk, book talks. Yes. So I have to finish that real bad. Okay. Um, but I also have a long drive, you know, this weekend. So maybe I'll just read. I like it. On the ride. That sounds great. Um, but also one of the books that I read over while doing national parks mm. was called Campfire Stories, Tales from America's National Parks, edited by Dave and Alyssa Q. Ooh. So it it's an interesting one. We have a couple spooky story things in there. Nice. So. What about you? You finished yeah. something? I finished Homefront, which is what I was Still listening to the last time. The Phantom Limb? Yeah. Mm. Great book. Like, I know that Kristen Hanna has more popular titles, and it wasn't, like, my favorite of all of her books, but it was up there. It was a great book. Interesting. Um, I finished yesterday An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. Yes. I've seen that one quite a bit. Yeah. It It was quite good. It was very, like, fancy, which I think... Smart people call that literary fiction. <laughs> so 
it's like yeah it's the the very um like thinky yeah like yeah. she was deep interesting yeah i love the cover for that book it's very pretty it's and very metallic yeah i did um donate my copy when i was done with it so if you want it check out the book sale asap Ooh, <laughs> Did you know? Did you know? Did you know? All right, you big know-it-all. Did you know? So, um, I looked into stats for the National Park System and, like, what the National Park Service and what numbers we have right now that we're looking at. Cool. So, what I found is that in 2022, visits returned to what they were pre-pandemic. Saw that too. That was interesting. It was like a million less in 2020, right? Than like um, before and after. Something like that. But what I found is that the number is 312 million recreational visits. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. So within the National Park Service, there are over 85 million acres of land Shoot. for national parks. How, you probably don't know this, but like I'm curious how big like the United States is in acres comparatively. Ooh. Let's I guess we're allowed to Google things. Yeah, of course we are. <laughs> of course we are. It's our show. 2.43 billion acres. And say what it was again? National Park. 85 million acres of land. Okay, so, so what is that? Like. Oh, I mean, so that's a good. Does that mean. Am I crazy? Is that like a fourth? Seems like it, right? A billion. Yeah. That should. I think that's a fourth. Wow. That's pretty cool. So about a fourth of the land. I would not have guessed that much. I'll do that math again later. Yeah, you'll live. It's fine. And if I'm wrong, I'll cut that out. Yeah, definitely. We won't talk. Never <laughs> happened. <laughs> Never happened. But um, they're uh, the largest of all of the national parks is called Wrangell St. Elias, and it is 13.2 million acres. Wow. So a good, you know, eighth of what we have for national parks is yeah. that one park. And then the smallest park is called Thaddeus Kusik. It's a Russian name. Mm. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that one, mm-hmm. but it is one fifth of an acre. So Wrangell St. Elias is in Alaska. Okay. Um, and then you have Thaddeus um, is in Pennsylvania. Okay, see. It's in Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Okay. Home of Abbott Elementary. Abbott! <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Um, but, I mean, that's crazy that it's so small because that is smaller than, like, most plots of land that a house is on. That's so true. So, like, what is that part? What are you? It's some sort of memorial, isn't it? Like a... I feel like that's what it... Because I, I briefly it, saw those. Yeah, I guess it must be. That's It's just interesting. Like, maybe it's just, like, a gravesite or something. Or, like, a spot where something important happened. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, um... Just a guy. It's just a little guy. (laughs) Wow. Um, But uh, the National Park Service budget sits at around, like, $3 billion annually. Um, And they use that to take care of 63 national parks that we have is the number that I saw. Same. Um, They have about 20,000 workers over the whole U.S. and 279,000 volunteers as of 2019. That's wonderful. That's quite a few. Yeah. That's, you know, a good quarter of a million. Yeah. Um, 
I know you've got some of the history, but the very first national park was to be declared a national park was Yellowstone Mm -hmm. on March 1st, 1872. And like a little fun fact about how national parks, like, I guess when they were newer back in the 20s and 30s, um, they had zoo stickers. I saw that too. I was so excited to talk about this with you. (laughs) I will will leave the zoo stickers. No, you can say it. I just thought it was really, I almost said it to you like when I was researching because it made me chuckle. (laughs) Yeah. So the zoo stickers were these little ones that they designed for each national park and they all had like an animal and some of the park's features on them and they were all customized and it was almost like a stamp kit, Mm. like stamp collecting. Well, that's what you do now. I think you buy the national park's passport. Right. Yeah. So before they were your, they were like your ticket. It was like your, it was what they would look at on your car. Yeah. And put it on your front windshield. But they had to discontinue them um, in the 40s because they became a safety hazard. Like people's windshields were too getting, full of the stickers. Getting too full that of That really the made stickers. me giggle. I love that. Yeah, it was really funny. Like, like things that you don't think of because it's 1940 and yeah. cars like just were born. Like, oh, crud. We can't do that. Yeah. We've got to get <laughs> rid so of this. so funny. We have to change this. Yeah. But they're good. really cool looking. They were very retro. Like, I mean, yeah, they were cool. 20s, 30s, they were really cool looking. I bet like wherever, you know, people still have some of those, oh, they yeah. probably are really cool looking. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, but that's what I had on the stats just a few little quick things excellent facts from the stacks we'll be right back if you've been listening to us talk about the books we've been reading but don't have the time to come in and check them out there's a solution for you the library has online resources so you can check out books without ever leaving home with libby and hoopla you can access thousands of books audiobooks movies tv shows and magazines all in the palm of your hand Check out the episode's description or check out the library's website, jmclibrary.org, for more information. Um, Piggybacking off of that, did you see that what the number one visited park was in 2022? Because I thought it was kind of special. I feel like I saw it, but I don't remember. I was going to talk about that, but I changed my mind. It was the Great Smoky Mountains, was it? baby. I thought, it, I thought that's what I saw. Tennessee represent. Absolutely. And it was, like, significant. So, in 2022, 12,937,633 visitors went to Great Smoky Mountains, compared to number two, which was the Grand Canyon National Park, at only 4,732,101. So, like, three times as many people. Came to the Great Smokies. Yeah, as the over, number two. Even over Grand Canyon. I know. Like, when you, I don't know, just as a girl in the world, like, the Grand Canyon is much more popular in my mind. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was really interesting that like not only is it our home state, but also it's like yeah. significantly more visitors than the number two spot. And I think from what I saw, like I think it was also number one in 2021 and I think it's frequently like in the top. In the top. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what cool. caused it to have three times more. I wonder if it counts like if you go just to Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge, like, does that count? Because that makes sense. That's like if you had Vegas as your people counter for your national park. I guess that's true. You know, like, that's not really fair. But I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how do you... I don't know. That's like, interesting. Like, where, when, how do they count it? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I think it, it said it all that on the website, but I didn't read that. Huh. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, some things I found about the history. So, my sources were um, <laughs> the National Parks and Illustrated History by Kim Heacox. I looked through that one. That yeah. was good. And that was cool. It was the 
because the t- 2016 was the centennial of the National Park Service, and it, that's why that book came out. Did you see that unfoldy page? Yeah, that, that was, was the, so the cool. Tree? Yes, uh, with the little guys. Little, so small. Yeah. That's really cool. So fun. And then I got some of my stuff from there, and then I further Googled some things. So the National Park Service was created on August 25th, 1916, by an act that was signed by President Woodrow Wilson. So that's when the service was officially created, but there were national parks before before that. that. And as you said, Yellowstone was the first one signed in by an act by President Grant on March 1st, 1872. Um, And then in 1864, so that's before all of this, Uh is when Lincoln signed the Yosemite Act, and that was the first law ever passed in the United States to protect wildlands for the enjoyment of people. So that's what really started it all as far as the idea like we need to make sure that we don't tear this stuff down yes. that's interesting all the way back yeah the time of lincoln yeah interesting um and then another thing i looked into was the logo so that same book the illustrated history had like the logos throughout the years uh-huh. that you saw um and so it talked about the current logo so I would imagine that most people are familiar, but if not, Google it. But it's the little arrowhead that says mm-hmm. National Park Service. And so it explained that this is the current logo since 2001. And the arrowhead represents our nation's diverse people. So I think it's kind of a nod to Native Americans. Native Americans. Um, and then there's a mountain, tree, and lake, which represent the complexity and beauty of our natural landscape. And then there's a bison to represent all the animals that share and enrich our environment. But it also ties the National Park Service logo to the seal of the Department of the Interior, which is what the National Park Service is under as far as the government umbrella. Yeah. Which I don't think I've ever heard of the Department of the Interior. I've heard of it, but you usually hear about the the other the fish wildlife or whatever yeah 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 and that's that part's really interesting too because why a bison yeah i don't know i something in my heart is telling me like is bison like one of the few like native native animals like most of our animals were brought from like settlers right the largest native largest native so maybe that's what they went for? I guess so. It's in, it's just interesting. It's yeah. An interesting choice. Yeah. Um, I did see that at one point, like it was in the '60s, they moved away from the Arrowhead. Yeah. And they had like it was just like three triangles. Yeah, I saw that one too. But like that one didn't last. I don't think it did because the Arrowhead right didn't back. originate in 2001. Just the current iteration of it is mm-hmm. from 2001, but the Arrowhead predates that. Yeah. So, like, we had the Arrowhead. We changed away from it in the 60s or 70s. Yeah. And then we said, the Arrowhead's better. Yeah, she's back. She's back. And her final form took place 2001. As Having looked through that book, I also liked the very first one, which was like, here's a pine cone. Yeah, just a pine cone. And it just says, it's a circle. It says National Park Service, Department of the Interior. With a pine cone. America. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Sums up the park service. Yeah. It was really good. Honestly, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that is what I found. Some history dipping our lines. toes in the history of the NPS. That's fun. So I, you guys already know that I like to talk about spooky stories. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of my favorite thing. Sometimes so maybe getting spooky over here. I looked, again, I, I, I read through campfire stories, which honestly, most of them were just there's a lot of poems in that book. So if you're Ooh. a nature person, if you like poetry, 
Um, pick that book up. It's really great. Um, they do have lots of poems. There's people that just kind of tell their like camping stories and like experiences and stuff. But there are a couple of like legends. Ooh, I'm very excited to hear what you have to share here. So the, this is a little bit of a long-winded story, and I cut it down significantly. I'm ready. But this this one in particular is called The Legend of the Blue Mist. Ooh. Um, written or submitted to Campfire Stories by, by Stephen King. Stephen. <laughs> uh, Bill Robinson. Ah, close. Uh, a pen name, perhaps. Mm. Um, but the story takes place in the Fall River Valley in Colorado. Okay. Sometime in, like, the 40s-ish. Love that. Um, so... The story mainly focuses, um, it's, again, it's Bill Robinson kind of talking about his experience with some of the locals and things like that. And it really focuses on a man that everyone seemed to know that he calls Minor Bill. Minor Bill. So he was kind of like a crazy old man that lived in the mountains. This reminds me of that dog from that one episode, that the ghost dog. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like same guy. Everybody knows him. <laughs> Everybody knows him. No, this is not. Um, this is not a ghost name? dog. Preston. Preston. <laughs> Preston. Yes. Yeah, it's not Preston. Okay. <laughs> um, but he's mostly he was that crazy old guy that lived <laughs> up in the mountains. People would come and check on him sometimes, and he would like send them down with like bits of gold that he had panned for. Ah. And so he would be like, take this, go to the bank, put it in my account, and then go pick up some supplies for me. And they Very would bring back his stuff. Yeah. So um, he didn't have a, like, he didn't, he didn't go into town himself. Okay. Got it. So he built his cabin in the woods out of logs and it was near a trail that people came up and down all the time. It was a good hiking trail and the winters people skied, everything like that. And a lot of people um, would just get really nosy and would like, take pictures and snoop around his cabin. Oh. And so he was like, well, I've got a good idea. I'm just going to start charging people for these pictures. Straight up. Um, Which people loved to do, I guess. But apparently there were some people that would like sneak a picture and then run off and he would go chasing them down the mountain. Wow. Like let them get a little ways away and then chase them and shoot his gun into the air. Oh god! Just scare them, like wow. just just to scare them. That avenue once in Berkeley, except not that dramatically, but like it didn't actually happen to me, but I witnessed it. Oh my god! <laughs> like there was just like these hippies in Berkeley, and someone tried to take their picture, and they were like, "Um, no, you need to pay us money for that photograph." And I was like, "Only in California." Oh my! Apparently not. Only in <laughs> yeah, California. really. <laughs> Apparently in the mountain forests of Colorado as well. Wow. Um, so the the National Park Service. Yes. <laughs> um, apparently didn't like that very much. Yeah, not very. And they tried American. to evict him. Oh shit. And he was like, "No, I've lived here long enough, and I have squatters' rights on this land." Oh dang. And so they couldn't really do anything. <laughs> so so. Bill continued to live Mm -hmm. there in his cabin. And around that time, a radio host named Troy Torland came to the area and he was an avid backpacker. And he would come into the lodge um, that our narrator would spend a lot of time at. And he would always come in, leave his car and be like, I'll be back in a couple days. I'm going in the mountains. Got it. And so he would go up 
and hike until he was done. And then he would come back, go home. <laughs> so on one particular hike, Troy told everyone at the lodge that the clouds like came over like covered the whole sky he couldn't see it was really it got really dark um like summer thunderstorm had just like come out of nowhere and so he came across an old log cabin knocked on the door and minor bill answered as one does and he explained to bill you know he was like i'm i'm out i was out here hiking i'm caught in this weather and bill was like well come up come on in i just made dinner i've got enough for everybody you know come on got enough for you i'll share bill (laughs) so he came in and stayed over that night and um from then on troy would just come back and spent almost every weekend going to stay with Bill. Oh, they became besties. Yeah, they got they got really close. Um, over the years, they got to be good friends. Um, and eventually, because again, this is set in the 40s, Troy ended up joining the military. Ah, yes. And so he was away for a lot longer of a period of time. Um, but when he was still around and, you know, on leave, he would still come and see Bill. Oh, wow. So... A few years passed and Bill aged and he got more and more forgetful and Troy kept trying to convince him to leave the woods, to move into the city. He was always trying to convince Bill, like, you need to move out of the woods. You know, this is not a good place for you as you're getting older. Gotcha. Um, So during a fresh snow, Troy went up again to stay with Bill and he came down for breakfast at the lodge in the morning, which was really bizarre because the timing to get to Bill to, to Minor Bill's cabin meant that to be there in time for breakfast, that Troy would have had to leave the cabin at like midnight the night before to get back to the lodge to have breakfast with them. And he sat there and he didn't say a word to anybody Mm. the whole time that they had breakfast. And it was really weird. And so they all ate, they finished their food. They were going to get up and leave. And Troy said, I've just got to talk to somebody and we've got, it's got, and we've got to do something with Bill. We went through an experience this weekend. You wouldn't believe. Oh, so the first day that Troy went up that weekend, Bill would not speak to him. <gasps> the next night, Bill's dog started growling and barking in the middle of the night, which it had never done before. Anytime they were up in the cabin, they were locked in for the night, the dog was fine. It had never done that for the years that Troy had been coming up to see Bill. <laughs> so Bill then went into a rage and started pacing around the house and looking out the windows and like he was just nervous and looking into the pitch black night. And finally, Troy grabbed him and asked him what was wrong. And Bill said, I'll tell you what, this thing has been haunting me for six years. And then dragged Troy outside with his oil lantern and started showing him the trees. So all around Bill's cabin were these 90-foot spruce trees with branches that didn't start until 30 feet up the tree. Mm -hmm. And as they were looking at them, there were marks at the top of the tree, like on the branches 30 feet up Mm -hmm. big deep claw marks and Troy said it's a bear and Bill said I'll show you in the morning it's not a bear so they went back inside and that's when the dog started lunging against its chain and Troy watched this weird blue light start to move across the forest toward the cabin Mm -hmm. and it settled like a mist like a blue mist that hung 
in one of the trees. It just kind of hovered around one of the trees. And Troy watched it all night long. And as morning came, there was a half foot of fresh snow all over in the forest. And there was not a single animal print, even a rabbit's foot in the whole area. So finally he went outside and the tree with the haze around it had fresh marks that were a three-toed claw mark 20 feet up the tree. Dun, dun, dun. We'll be right back with more facts from the stacks. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a fan of history, the library has something special for you. The Tennessee Room, located at the main library, is a place full of history, genealogy, local documents, artifacts, and more newspapers and microfilm than we can count. Well, not really, because we catalog everything. It's just a saying, but never mind. Just remember that if you've ever wondered about local events from days past or how to start tracking your family tree, the Tennessee Room is a great place to start. You can visit them Monday through Friday, anytime between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. So every tree but one in the whole wooded area had a claw mark just like it. Then early one Sunday morning at 1.30 a.m., there was a banging on the lodge door. It was Troy saying that they had to get Bill out of the woods, that his head was caved in and he needed help. Oh, gosh. He explained on the road there that the blue light had come back and they had started packing everything up in a panic. He finally convinced Bill to leave the cabin. And while they were doing that, Bill's dog broke its train, broke its chain, and ran outside and started to try to climb one of the trees. And then it was thrown to the ground with its throat slit. Oh my gosh. Bill shot into the tree, which broke a branch off of it and hit him in the head. And by the time Bill hit the ground, the blue light was gone. Whoa. Bill was not right from that point onward, and he had to be put into a home. But sometimes he would slip out, and they would have to come and fish him out of his old cabin. Oh, my gosh. Um, In that time, they've studied and cast the claw marks to try and figure out what it was, but nothing ever came of it. There was a group of 18 people that went into the woods, and only 17 of them came back. One of their friends wanted to go and take a picture of something, and so he split off from them and... They could see where his tracks went into the snow, and then they were just gone. Whoa. Um, And uh, I guess that they had seen the blue haze over the nearby lake, and the, the boy was never found. Whoa. And several more incidents were talked about involving people just vanishing from ski trips on that mountain without a trace. Holy moly. Yeah. So the blue mist. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a very like long winded story. Huh. Yeah. I thought uh, Bill was going to be the bad guy, but no, no. he was just living his life. Bill's just an old man that's having a hard time. (laughs) Yeah. Bless him. Yeah. So that's kind of spooky. Yeah. I could see that being a really terrifying, like your dad telling you a campfire story. Yeah. Like I can see that. True. In the woods. Yeah. And then, you know, a dad hanging his blue colored lantern somewhere to scare. Yeah, 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 for you know, sure. Scare the pee out of you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, agreed. 
All right, so then I did some more specific research about Yosemite because that's the national park yeah, I'm I headed to. I don't know that much about Yosemite. Actually. Yeah. So as we know, I like to conduct my research in the children's department. Of course. <laughs> so I read a fascinating book called The Camping Trip That Changed America by Barb Rosenstock mm-hmm. and also Yosemite by Audra Wallace. So both those I just read through and then further internet researched. Okay. All right. So Yosemite became a national park in 1890. And remember, the service wasn't official until 1916. And Yosemite was number three in the national park system. So it was the third one. The third one. Okay. Okay. Um, It was created in ancient times by rivers and glaciers carving through the Sierra Nevadas, which is the mountain range, to Mm -hmm. form Yosemite Valley. Okay. Um, Native people arrived about eight times. <laughs> Native people arrived about 8,000 years ago, um, and these were people from the South Sierra Miwok tribe called Awanichi, and they were known as fierce warriors, and other tribes referred to them as Yosemite, which is thought to come from the Miwok word Uzumati, U-Z-U-M-A-T-I, which means grizzly bear. Oh. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense. Like they refer to these people as that, which is their word for grizzly bear, which obviously there's grizzly bears in the area, but also fierce warriors they were known as, which Mm -hmm. so is the grizzly, you know. Interesting. Yeah, so that's where the word comes from. Um, In the mid-1800s, California soldiers drove the natives out so that white people could settle there because of the gold rush. In 1907 is when the Yosemite Valley Railroad came. (laughs) So that increased tourists quite a bit. So like I said, 1890, it's a national park. Then the railroad arrives in 1907, increasing the amount of tourists. And then cars were officially allowed in the park in 1913, which again, saw another jump in tourism. Um, A fun fact I saw was that Claire Marie Hodges was the first female ranger in the National Park Service. And she became such in 1918, and she was a ranger in Yosemite. Yosemite. Yeah, so go Claire. Um, In 1954, they welcomed their one millionth visitor. And then as we saw, well, maybe we didn't see, but I think Yosemite was around the two to three million visitor. Per, like two to three million visitors per year? Yes. Sorry. Interesting. Yeah. So it's interesting to see them go from like, oh, you were a million visitor to like, we get that many every six months. I know. Crazy, crazy. Um, Another thing that I thought was funny, it was similar to the zoo sticker where it's like, LOL, when you try things, like, you don't know until you know, you know? Oh, yeah. So this was similar to that where they used to have bear, because if you don't know, there's bears everywhere in Yosemite. Lots of bears. And so they used to have bear feeding stations. (gasps) In the park, oh, so you could have bad. like a yeah, so you could have like close encounters with the bears. That sounds like a bad idea. Because America loves tourism, um, until 1971, oh, because no. the bears got too comfortable and too close. So like the more comfortable bears are around people, the closer they will come, and like alas, they are dangerous. Yeah. So still I thought that was funny. Animal. Like now, like we're gonna have to do this. You have to lock all of your edible and scented items in a bear-proof box outside of your cabin or tent. Like, you can't put it in your locked car. A bear can get in that. Like, it has to be in a bear box. 
and not just like your snacks, but like your toothpaste and your lotion. <laughs> yeah, like it's serious. Are you camping? We're in tent cabins. Tent which I don't know what that means, but I think it's just like it's pretty much a tent, but it has a light, you know, like a couple more amenities than a actual tent. And like there's beds in there, I think. Wow. Yeah. So do you get like do you rent the bear the bear box? I think each tent cabin has a bear has box a bear outside. Box. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. I know that was another like culture shock thing for me being from California. Like the first time I went camping out here, like that's a big part of camping culture in California is like how do you make sure the bears <laughs> and like in Tennessee like you don't worry about that when you're camping there's no bear precautions which was funny <laughs> I mean I think probably the worst you'd have to worry about would be like a coyote yeah or raccoons or, ra- or raccoons raccoons <laughs> creepy little people hands. yeah exactly yeah. yeah um but yeah that was another funny one about Whoa. the past and then something else I thought was cool is that there is an elite team of dogs on the Yosemite National Park search and rescue team isn't that cool? I love that. So they will like, you know, if someone's lost on a hike or whatever, they will sniff them out. And then if it's people that were climbing, like they'll go up in a helicopter and they'll repel the dogs down with their handler to like go rescue people. Isn't that so good? I love that. Amazing. I love that. Yeah. So that was as far as I went because I didn't want to like go to ham. It's like a... Oh wait, I had one more thing, but yeah, sorry. It's like a Californian, you know, the like the St. Bernards, like how you the cartoons that has all yeah. that with the barrel at the like on their collar, so they go out into the snow and they yeah. find yeah, but so California. Cute. <laughs> Love that. Um, okay, so yes, the book that I looked at, the picture book, was called "The Camping Trip That Changed America," and it's a retelling of this story, which is based on a true story where. Back in the day, so like in the mid-1800s, I think, um, Teddy Roosevelt, when he was president, he one time he read John Muir's work, and so that's how he learned about Yosemite. And he was like, this is really cool. So he wrote a letter to John Muir and was like, yo, I'm going out that way. I want you to take me camping in Yosemite. So they went on this camping trip and John Muir like showed him all the sites and talked to him about conservation because like before that, the idea that like the forests were not going to last forever was like very revolutionary. Like John Muir was like, yo, the rate we're going there's not going to be a Yosemite no more or any other forest. And so that camping trip, is, you know, the camping trip that changed America, like that got Teddy Roosevelt to be such a conservationist and wanting to, you know, enact policy to protect lands. And so that was interesting Whoa. too. Like, let's work yeah. on our community as a way of lifting yeah. the Meat. economy. But That's yeah, I'd cool. never heard that story about like the connection between John Muir and Teddy Roosevelt. That's cool. Yeah. And that's why we're mildly more conscious of our... I know. It's really interesting to me because I feel like we're still having these conversations today of like, if we continue at this rate, there won't be, you know, national parks or forests or whatever anymore. And like he was trying to tell us this in the early 1800s. So that is interesting when you like, I guess it's not interesting. It's just sad. Like we're still having the same (laughs) conversation. Oh, we got got sad in here. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Facts from the Stacks will be right back. Summer's upon us and the library is a great place to spend time. Whether you like to spend your time at the pool or in the sun with a book, we have something for you. 
All Together Now is our theme this year, and we're making sure that you can find your community here at the library. Whether it's reading or knitting or painting or gardening or coding or board games or cooking or video games or traveling or crafts or photography or sports or music or Pokemon or movies or Harry Potter or... You can find all the things that you like here at the library all summer long, starting June 3rd. Check our website or social media for a full list of events. So I have one other story. Hit it. This one is um, shorter, I suppose, but also I have like a personal experience with this story. Oh, I love it. Um, So when I was in sixth grade, the sixth graders, because my elementary school went up to sixth grade. Yeah, same. Which is weird around here. Yeah, it is. usually fifth, right? Right. Something like that. In middle school, six, seven, eight. That's not how it was for me. Correct. So, um, sixth graders always got to go to a place called Bear Creek. And it was something that people looked forward to for years. We had that too. I can't remember. What was it called? It was, it was, was it like a camping trip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was the same thing. Yeah. So you got to go to like a summer camp. Yeah. Where is Bear Creek? Um, that's a great question. Like I in Tennessee? Tried, West Tennessee? I think it was slightly outside. Of okay. T- I think it, I want to say it was probably Kentucky. Okay. I tried to find it. Really? And I could not find the proper place. Hmm. So I don't know if they changed the name. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But regardless, Anywho. it was somewhere kind of near here. Um, and it was really exciting exciting um people were excited to go camping to do like the ropes courses yeah. and like all that stuff so we got there and it was super super pretty i'd never really done the camping thing <laughs> i'm not that kind of person um but we got to swim in all these natural springs and creeks and stuff and i rappelled down a hundred foot cliff like next to a waterfall it was great um but most importantly everyone got to go splunking oh. which was mildly terrifying because I am a broad person. I am large. <laughs> uh, I was large in sixth grade. That's weren't we all? <laughs> and then so, you know, I was like, ooh, I'm going in a tiny cave. I'm kind of claustrophobic. Oh, no. But I was like, I'm going to do it, though. Yeah. So, um, we were told we're like... In the mouth, we're at the mouth of this cave, and they're like, Okay, here's the rundown. You've got all your equipment. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to go into this cave. You're going to, it's going to narrow. It's going to get real narrow. And then you're going to have to spread and climb up a 20 foot wall. Whoa. (laughs) So, and then after you get on that wall, you're going to have to go over on your belly and you're going to have to crawl on your belly between these two flat rocks. Because there's not room for you to get on all fours. I don't think I could do that. And there's water, and you're going to get wet, and it's going to be cold, and you're going to have to slide on your belly through between these two rocks. How does a sixth grader have, like, the mental fortitude to make it through that? <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> and then when you get through that, you're going to come into a cavern. And when you get to the cavern, that's where we're going to stay. We're going to rest. We're going to get everybody together. And then we're going to finish out the rest of the trip. Okay, Mm -hmm. great. Fantastic. Love it. (laughs) So um, we do that. 
and <laughs> we get up into the cavern. And when we get to the cavern, there's like probably 50 of us. So you're just skipping over that you did it? Like, oh, I did it. Amazing. Oh, yeah, I did it. <laughs> um, it was it was not as bad as it was not as bad as it could have been. I was really kind of freaking out. So I was like, I definitely remember feeling like I was about to get kind of stuck or mm-hmm. something, but like you just had to kind of scooch a little and you would find a, uh, a dip. It was it was a little spooky. I think it's more of a mental challenge than it's anything. A mental challenge. Like I would just feel like I would have to very much focus on not giving up Panicking. and freaking out. Yeah. So I did it. Spoiler you go. alert, I did it. You go. Um it was wet, it was cold. We get into the cavern, there's like 50 of us. So we're all gathered up, and the guide was like, okay, great. Everybody turn off your lanterns. (laughs) And so we all turned off our lanterns, and he kept his on, and he was like, we're going to tell a story, because the whole place was very, um, as I I assume most summer camps are, was very Native American, possibly Mm. appropriative. But that's right. kind of just how summer camps are. How it'd be like. <laughs> um, but so we got to hear this story. And it was a story that um, originated from old Cherokee tribes in East Tennessee. So in the Great Smokies. Okay. Love it. Um, and it is the story of a female monster that it, that just has a... Her right forefinger is like a spear. It's like made of rock. Like Vecna. <laughs> yeah, yeah like um, and it's like made of rock oh gosh and uh, she was said to be made of stone like her whole body is made of stone so when she walks it sounds like thunder like tefiti <laughs> yeah like tefiti <laughs> yeah um and she would walk through the mountain ranges of the Great Smokies and she would shapeshift into Ooh. the family members of small children and try to lure them to her. Oh, golly. And like, yeah, <laughs> and would lure them to her and then would use her spear finger to poke out their liver and eat their liver. Specifically. Specifically. <laughs> So they're talking about this horrible, bloody, like, she's got lips, she's got bloody liver on her mouth, like, so, and we're, we're listening to this, and, like, they talked about how she would hold her hand up to her chest because she would hide her finger, mm. but also her weak spot was her heart that was in the palm of her right hand. Oh. And so, like, it was this whole thing, and um, at some point during the story, they were talking about a song that she used to lure the children, and, like... So they're doing that, and the guide clicks off his light and screams. (gasps) What an absolute jerk. And so it's I would have pooped my pants. uh, It's a cave full of a bunch of like 11 year olds. 12 year olds shrieking, (laughs) panic. Like, hormones were already... That would never have flown in California. You would have needed about 37 and a half million waivers for that. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. So, okay. And so everybody's freaking out. And then we're expected to turn our lanterns back on, (laughs) collect ourselves, (laughs) and then proceed. All right, kids. All right, kids. Let's go. Then we are then we are told that the next part that we could get lost, so we have to be careful. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was a nightmare. Never ever would this be a thing. So in this cavern, there's a little like hole, 
we're told we go over to that cavern and we drop down into the hole. <laughs> of course. And then we are to crawl on all fours uh-huh. through this system of caves, and they're like, and it's gonna, it's gonna fork. And when that path forks, you follow the flow of the water, or you will get lost. That is so ambiguous. <laughs> so I was like, why can't you just tell us if we go right or left? That's what I'm saying. That's what I mean by ambiguous. <laughs> and so they assured us that we would not get lost forever, but that it would take us on a path that would dip down, <laughs> and it would be a much longer path to oh, get Oh, so out. not forever. Not forever. <laughs> Don't worry. But we had just been scared half to death. Yes. And then they're like, okay, now it's on you. <laughs> Single file crawl. and But you I, can, like, see the person in front of you, right? You can see the person okay, in front of you. Okay, so you're not you. alone. But it was really easy to get left behind because we're freaking out. We're yeah, still you're trying to get out. the heck out of there. <laughs> and then I came to that fork and I had a... I was like, what do I do? <laughs> Blue flower, red doors. And the person behind me was like, you gotta go. You have to move. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I re- and, and so, moral of the story is that we got out, um, but it was like 30, 45 minutes of crawling on all fours um, through that in this okay. wet, cold stream. And like, I realized that I... I knew, I remembered everything about that experience except for what story we were told until I started researching the stories that national parks tell and Spearfinger's one of them. And I went, oh my God, that's the story. Uh, That's the one we were told. Spearfinger. Yeah. And what what parks did it come up in? So mostly it's told in the Smokies. Okay. Because it's from the Cherokee. It is. From that area. So the Smoky National Parks tell it. But apparently all the little like summer camps and stuff like to tell I guess, it too. yeah but i totally totally forgot until i was looking for this and i was like oh my god it was spearfinger that wow was the story. that is deep terrifying love that it was a great experience that's a fantastic story to horrifying <laughs> i love that story that so good yeah so that's my uh that's my national park adjacent story i loved it yeah um, I don't have a quiz right now, oh, so that's fine. you get to be exempt from a quiz for a week. Woohoo! <laughs> so, have fun. Yeah. Um, that being said, um, I think that's what we got. Yeah. So we've talked about national parks, we told our little stories, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, again, don't know what next episode will be, right. but... Either the Seven Wonders or a special guest, yeah, right? absolutely. So... Sounds great. You just have to listen to find out. Yeah, just... <laughs> Keep you in suspense. Mm-hmm. Just like we were kept in suspense in that cabin. About the fork. <laughs> God. That's so weird. So horrible. Oh. Anyway, thank you for listening as always. Yes. And we will see you guys in another couple weeks. Bye. Bye.